Brothers and sisters in Christ, grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning. My name is Gary. I'm one of the pastors at Living Water Community Church. Little Treasures, ages 3, 4, and 5 can go. K through 5 can go. Follow Miss Sue. Follow the volunteers there. As they are doing that, a special welcome to all of you joining us on Facebook. A reminder, you can see past services on Facebook. You can follow our Facebook page to have updates when we go live. Uh, we are going to begin a new series on Psalm 23, especially focusing during this Lent season on the contemplation of this psalm, especially focusing on what this tells us about our Lord Jesus Christ. In order to dive in to Psalm 23, we're going to look at one specific verse every week. And so we begin at the beginning, especially with verse 1. But we are going to read the entire psalm every Sunday. We are going to celebrate it together. And in order to give respect to it, in order to uh, remember that this is God's holy word, would you actually stand with me as we read Psalm 23? Let's stand as we read, as I read this for you from Psalm 23. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Thanks be to God for his holy and inspired word. You may be seated. Let's pray together and ask God to bless our commentary on this passage. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Thank you for your word. Thank you for your message. Thank you for speaking very clearly through these Old Testament writers, through New Testament writers. Thank you for speaking very clearly through the inspiration of your Holy Spirit. God, we pray that we would hear you today. We pray that whatever it is that is standing in the way of us hearing you would be cleared out. We pray that the context of our lives, that the happenings, the good, the bad, all of it would be a way to see you working. God, I don't ask that you clear out our lives, that everything good, everything bad is suddenly just out of our minds. I think we need it. We need the happenings of our lives in order to be able to see you, in order to see those good and bad things as tools to recognize that you haven't stopped working. So God, speak to us today. Speak to us in a way that is very understandable. Create a fertile heart for us so that you can do what you need to do. May the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, for you are my rock and my redeemer. In your holy name we pray. Amen. There is an outline at the back of the worship center there if you'd like to follow along with Psalm 23. 
The hope for this season is to take one verse of uh, this incredible psalm for every week of Lent, and what that will do is guide us toward Easter. But why a psalm, and why Psalm 23 especially? Several reasons for this psalm being our case for study, but this may work as a theologian. Hear the words of Theo, uh, or, or as a summary, hear the words of author and theologian Thomas Merton, who wrote about the psalms. The function of these psalms is to reveal to us God, to reveal to us God as a treasure whom we love because he has first loved us. And then the function is to hide us, heart and soul, in the depths of his infinite light. He continues, the psalm, therefore, leads us into contemplation, end quote. Contemplation is a huge word. Contemplation is a word that causes us to pause and to think. Contemplation means a time of searching, a time of wondering, a time of wrestling. Contemplation means a time of waiting expectantly and considering all of the information at hand. All of those things line up with the historical purpose of Lent. Lent is a season that the church has celebrated since the early days, marking 40 days until Easter, marking a season, a time where we contemplate. That gives us about 40 days to think deeply about what Christ accomplished on the cross. That gives us about 40 days to read the Psalms in depth, to read this poetry of the Old Testament, to read this incredible deep book, this most well-known of David, who is a man after God's own heart. That gives us 40 days to model David's relationship with God. It gives us 40 days to see Christ as the ultimate fulfillment of everything David writes of everything David hopes for. It gives us 40 days to contemplate Jesus Christ in our lives. And our journey then begins with verse 1. A reminder of verse 1, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Pay attention that David uses language that is very, very familiar to him. Almost like Christ teaching a parable on what is closest around him or most understandable to his listeners, David uses a lifestyle and a job that he has lived and therefore understands incredibly well. He's not talking about something that he's never experienced. David is using something that he has lived himself. To refer to God as his shepherd for David is to refer to him in a way that is well known, a way that is familiar, a way that is able to be grasped. David knows exactly what a shepherd is. 
And using that analogy, using that picture of God allows him to relate personally to his Lord. Incredibly, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, David's analogy becomes not just a way for David to relate, but also it becomes a way for David to relay. It becomes a way for David to relay the type of relationship that God desires. Because this is the inspired word of God, this book of Psalms is not just David's journal. It's not just him writing this on his own. This is through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not just David creatively getting his thoughts out. Incredibly, this is God's inspired word to us, meant to relay a message, a message that we need to hear, a message that we need to know. David is able to communicate the message to us that God desires a close and personal relationship and that God is his shepherd. God is able to be to David something that is personal, something that is needed, something that means something special to David. And in turn, it can mean something special to us if we understand why David chooses this word. So what are some of the things it means? What does calling God a shepherd mean to that man after God's own heart? What does calling God a shepherd mean to us today? To answer that, we'll need to look in a historical way at a few of the tasks that researchers and historians have found shepherds to be in that time. A few of the things that they were responsible for in that age. A few of those things, and of course this is not an exhaustive list, we know the shepherd was the provider, the one who gave what is needed. We know the shepherd was the protector, the one who would keep the horrible animals at bay. We know the shepherd was the guide, the one who would bring the group of sheep from one place to another. We know the shepherd was the corrector, the giver of discipline when the sheep was walking into danger and he had to keep that sheep from doing that. In order to keep the sheep in the right place, there had to be some discipline. We know the shepherd was the companion. In some ways, a very lonely position. In some ways, a very communal position. Not being around other people all that often, but mainly being around the group of sheep. The shepherd became the companion for those sheep. We know the shepherd was the scout. We know the shepherd was the one who looked forward at what was coming. We know the shepherd was the dependable source, the one that the sheep had to rely upon. That's just the tip of the iceberg for what the shepherd was called to do. That's just the beginning of the tasks for that shepherd. But it's a start to understanding why David chooses this language. In an article by the author Joshua Van E., these roles are what leads to a special relationship between the sheep and the shepherd. He writes, all of the elements of a shepherd 
show how close of a bond there was between the shepherd and the sheep. In David's case, for example, he was the sheep's constant companion and he would need to know them as individuals. He would need to know them intimately to properly care for them, to know what each one was different in, to know what each one had a need in. He continues, the sheep would then learn to trust their shepherd. They would learn to follow his lead, to listen to his voice. David knew the constant care needed to be a good shepherd, and thus it provides that rich metaphor for God's constant care for him in Psalm 23, end quote. Our first step then, seeing God in the way that David does. Seeing God as richly and deeply as David does. Seeing God through that lens of a shepherd. You see, seeing God as that companion who cares, that companion who guides, that one who protects, that giver of discipline, that is our step in having that relationship that David has. The interesting thing is that we can see God, not just that David is seeing those characteristics, but that we can see those characteristics. Seeing God as those things, as the protector, as the guider, seeing God as all of those shepherd tasks, not just for David, but for ourselves. None of us wrote Psalm 23. None of us penned those exact words. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, you can see what David is providing as an opportunity this morning. An opportunity to mirror his words. An opportunity to use his example and to take ownership just as he does of your Lord. To take ownership of your Lord and to say it confidently and purposefully, the Lord is my shepherd. Contemplate for a moment what it means to say those words. What it means to say the Lord is my shepherd. Realize that in that simple phrase, you, with the power of the Holy Spirit, are claiming God as your own. We often celebrate, and we will celebrate today, in the act of communion, the communal aspect of our faith, the reliance on brothers and sisters, the reliance on a body of believers, we may not forget that so much of our faith is ironed out in the community of brothers and sisters in Christ. But don't leave out the need for that personal, close, intimate relationship the sheep had with their shepherd. Don't leave out the personal and close relationship that David had with his Lord. Don't leave out the close and personal relationship that the Lord has desired to have with you. Contemplate the statement, the Lord is my shepherd, and see how God desires that relationship with you. Then what's the result? 
What's the result of seeing God as your shepherd? What is the result of that close and personal relationship? What does it do for David to have this imagery? What does it do for you to have this imagery? Try hearing verse 1 put this way. It's from the Living Bible translation of Psalm 23. It says, Because the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything I need. Notice the cause and effect in this translation. Notice the cause and effect that comes across in verse 1. The cause is the Lord is my shepherd. Because the Lord is my shepherd, the result is I have everything I need. To have everything you need is to have every necessary box checked. To have every need is to have all of the list complete. Because the Lord is my shepherd, what needs to be taken care of is taken care of. It's the old parent versus child debate every time you go to the store and it plays a role in this conversation. What's the difference between need and want? In some ways, a few translations of Psalm 23 through the years have made it more difficult to figure out need versus want in our Christian walk. Many translations have interchanged need and want and used them almost as synonyms. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want is just as, com as common as the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not need. But pay attention to this for a moment. The Hebrew word that gets translated here into several different ways is ha-ser, and the basic definition that historians have found of haser is to lack, to be without, to decrease, to be lacking, to have a certain need. Nowhere in there do we hear the word want. Nowhere in those definitions do we hear want. And in fact, the only other time that we see David himself use that haser word is in Psalm 34. When he writes this, The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack, or haser, no good thing. Notice the context of how he's using that word. It's in the context of hunger and provision and a lion. David seems to be using this word in a way of need, not want. A lion might not get what he needs, but the righteous do, he says in Psalm 34. It is a certainty that God gives what is needed. It's a certainty that because he is my shepherd, I have what I need. So then we have to ask, how has he done this? How has he given what I need? Of course, it's through the work of Jesus Christ. Of course, during the season of Lent, we look to how Jesus Christ summarizes this psalm, how Jesus Christ even more so fulfills this psalm. 
As a Savior, Jesus takes your place and pays your penalty for your sin. He provides that meaning of that need. As a Lord, then, he teaches what it looks like to live a life of thankfulness, to live a life of gratitude, to be thankful for him providing for the need. As the great shepherd, Jesus Christ proves there is nothing else we need other than him. Today, we offer to you the opportunity, not only through song, not only through prayer, not only through scripture, but through the sacrament of Holy Communion, we offer the opportunity to contemplate the Lord as your shepherd. In that contemplation, you can see the cause of a close relationship with him. In that contemplation, you can see the effect of having everything you need. It's Jesus Christ as your Lord. It's Jesus Christ as your Savior. In his holy and incredible name, amen. Would you pray with me? God, how can it be that you would care enough, that you would love enough, that you would desire so much to have a close and personal relationship that you would send your son to die, that you would send your son to pay the penalty, that you would send your son to do what we could not do. What incredible love, what incredible grace. Father, we thank you that you have spoken through your scripture, that you have spoken through the power of your Holy Spirit that you have offered a close and personal relationship, that you have offered to satisfy every need. As we contemplate that today, God, may you work deeply in our hearts. May you keep us from running away. May you cause us to know where it is that we need your healing touch. Would you bring to mind what we need to confess? Would you bring to mind what it is that we need to lay before you at your altar? Would you allow us to see your grace, to know that we don't have to clean up to come before you in the way of the sacrament, but instead we admit that we can't do it on our own. We admit that we can't clean up enough we admit that we stand in need of a Savior. And that Savior is Jesus Christ. God, speak clearly through your prayers, through your word, through your songs. Speak clearly through your sacrament so that we may know that you are our Lord, that you are our Savior, that you are our shepherd. In your holy name we pray, amen.